If you want to understand what is going on in the world of startups, development, programming, and plain old creativity when it comes to Berlin, at some point you've got to talk about spaces and places. Now forget what you know about the tech world of cubicles and nondescript office buildings where the boss can decide to take your swing line stapler. Today, we're diving into three spaces that embody the new kind of inspiring workplace. Spaces that are redefining how work is done and in the process are making Berlin the international authority in creative spaces. We begin today with an overview the observations of startup guru Kaylee Moore. And from there we go underground, into the legendary space station known as Seabase to speak with E-Punk. In part three, we'll go back above ground to hear about co-op and learn about co-working spaces. And finally, we'll head over to Raumfart Argentur in Wedding, one of the newer and more unique hacker spaces in this city. All this on the road to understanding an essential piece of the puzzle for how and why Berlin became Europe's Silicon Alley. From Wikimedia Deutschland, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro, and this is Source Code Berlin. It's no easy task to try and keep track of the ever-growing number of startups in a city like Berlin. With those startups comes a whole slew of co-working offices, hacker spaces, cafes where people can be found working together every day, anytime. Kaylee Moore has made it her business to observe and report about startups in Berlin. Over the past two years, her website, Berlin Startup Girl, has become a go-to place for anyone looking to start anything in this town. To start today's program, I asked her to explain the popularity and prevalence of co-working spaces. Berlin is the least expensive capital city in Western Europe. Um, and I would, I would say probably the least expensive tech hub that I've seen in the world. And so that means you have a ton of co-working spaces because it's just a lot more affordable to start them. And so you don't have to have uh, big companies sponsoring. You could get together with your friends and basically create a space and do some marketing. And there's really low overhead. So you have, um, like you said, lots of hacker spaces, lots of co-working spaces. But you also have a lot of cafes that have kind of become dedicated tech hubs in themselves. Hmm. It seems like there's something particularly social about everyone. And, and even in lines of work that you would say, oh, no, you know, programmers or coders, they're not particularly social. Yet many put themselves in these places, in these locations. They go to these meetups. I see like a lot of listings for meetups in Berlin. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a easy city to network in because even though there is a growing tech scene, it still is fairly small compared to places like the Valley or San Francisco. And so a lot of these people are out and about networking and it's just easier to do so from co-working spaces. What is your favorite, uh, if you have a favorite uh, co-working space or, or related in Berlin? 
Um, I'm a little bit biased. I was with Startup Bootcamp Berlin. I was an entrepreneur in residence with them last year. And they have a space called the Rainmaking Loft. They actually just expanded it. And it's gorgeous. So they have a bar now, which is an insane bar. And they have a, like a juice bar. And it's actually pretty hard to find relatively healthy food in Berlin. So I'm a big fan. And it's just gorgeous. And um, Alex Farset, who is the head of Startup Bootcamp Berlin, just does a really nice job of pulling in international people. So if you go there to have a desk or if you just go there to meet friends for coffee, to network, there's always really interesting creative people from all over the world who are there. Do people stay? The ones in the co-working spaces, are they there in a year? Berlin is a very transient city. And so with the Rainmaking Loft, it is Startup Boot Campus house there. And so they do one program a year and it's three months. So that's why I was there. And I think out of the 10 teams, there's probably only two that are still at the Rainmaking Loft. But it's nice because there is an international focus. And so you have people who are coming to Berlin to either build their product or look for funding, and then maybe they go back to their home country, or maybe they want to expand to the U.S. market. So yeah, Berlin's Berlin's pretty transient in kind of whatever co-working space you're in. The factory, which I'm sure you'll be talking about at some point, because that is the hot space of today. They have some bigger name startups like SoundCloud, which they clearly aren't going anywhere. But I would say for the smaller co-working spaces, yeah, it's kind of in and out. But that's nice because it gives you an opportunity to grow or to meet new people. So I see a connection here. There's the, on the one hand, the city itself is low cost. So what it takes to start up whatever project you're working on would also be less than in other places in the world. And then it seems instead of going for the traditional uh, office space or even maybe working from home, which... I guess has its drawbacks. Uh, the option in Berlin is let me find a space, and and that's not just co-working spaces, right? Let me find a little corner in a hacker space. I'll I'll get my start there. Exactly. Like for me, so I am a marketing and PR consultant. Essentially, I help European companies. Exp- internationally to the U.S. market. And so I often will stop by my clients' offices maybe once a week, maybe once a month, but I hate working from home. I just get too bored there. And so I am not officially a member of any of these cities' multiple co-working spaces because I like bouncing around and there's so many amazing cafes. There's um, one in my neighborhood called Agora Collective, and it's probably the best-known co-working space for truly creative. The building is insanely beautiful, and they have this garden. And so that's a really nice place to work in the morning. And then there's St. Oberholtz, mm-hmm. which is the most famous, I would say, in Berlin. Um, and that is a hub in itself. If you go in there on any day of the week, I would say 80% of the people working there, and it's a huge cafe, are people in the Berlin startup scene. Hmm. And I guess, thankfully, in terms of the urban culture of Berlin, people don't chase you out, be it cafe owner or... or... Oh, no, not at all. You could kind of stay there all day and just have a cappuccino if you really wanted to, but they do have phenomenal good food. So I'd Mm. recommend whatever soup they're having that day. Yeah. But this whole culture, uh, co-working and, you know, not being home, uh, but not having an office, this is something that's going on all over the world as well. I mean, you get to travel. Are you seeing this pattern? is Is it that Berlin is being learn from or is it just some natural evolution what do you see i think 
more people are becoming freelancers. Like there was some study that just came out, the freelance economy, it's going to be like something like 40%. Don't quote me on that. And then <laughs> in the next couple of years, it's just a lot more feasible to be a freelancer and people want more flexibility. And so I think when you start seeing people joining that freelance community, you're, you don't want to just work from home. You want to be member of a community and you want to be able to bounce ideas off of people who are in your field and you aren't getting to do that on a daily basis since you don't have a dedicated office. So as we see more freelancers popping up in the startup world, we're seeing more co-working spaces that cater to those people. Yeah. And same thing with, um, you know, when you're launching a startup, most of the time you're bootstrapping it in the beginning, or you have a little bit of seed funding, you don't want to go out and blow a ton of money on an office is you really don't know if you're going to be there in the next three to six months. So it makes more sense to get a couple of desks. And as you grow and as you expand, you can get more space or move to a different location. Is there any truth to the uh, observation that I hear a lot? Uh, so again, as far as you know, that a lot of uh, businesses start with far less in a place like Berlin than they might say in San Francisco. Um, I think most companies, when you're just starting out, like most companies are probably bootstrapped. It is significantly easier to raise money in San Francisco or California or the Valley or just the U.S. in general than it is in Berlin. Berlin investors aren't great at being risky. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. No value judgment on that. Um, but it is, it's significantly easier to raise money in the States. Uh, aren't great at being risky. They, they don't, they don't go for it. They don't. Oh, the burden risk. of proof, uh, the burden of proof, um, when you're raising money in Germany versus raising money in the States, it's just, it's a lot more. They want you to, I mean, okay. To raise seed money in the States, you just have to have a good concept and a good team, right? Like they know, that you're going to find product market fit. But in Germany, they like to see more than a good team. They want to see product market fit. They like to see the product already partially done, if not fully complete. And that's, that's really hard to do when you're bootstrapping. So, I mean, it's starting to change. We're seeing more money being raised in Berlin, and we actually are seeing more seed rounds, but they still are significantly smaller than in the U.S. Like if you look at Series A in Germany versus Series A in the U.S., we're talking like 10 to $20 million differences. Yeah. And interesting also that even after having whatever success, you, you pointed out SoundCloud, uh, that some companies don't move out. You know, it, it's not that it's necessarily um, a first step and then you, you move on always. Some companies stay around in the co-working space scene. Oh, yeah. Berlin is an amazing city, not just to create a startup, but to build it and continue to grow. And especially if you can get outside funding. And now you're seeing that more and more like Berlin companies are now for the first time in the last year starting to raise money from the UK and from the US. So you don't have to you know, build a company, get some seed funding and move to the US. Like you have companies like ResearchGate, which is a German company who's doing very well. Bill Gates has invested in them. Iyad, um, their founder, is really all about staying in Germany. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. Kaylee Moore is a Berlin-based marketing strategist for startups. You can find her at berlinstartupgirl.com.
As one of the first hacker spaces in the world, all conversations about collaborative working in Berlin should involve the incomparable Seabase. Almost 20 years since it was founded, the list of communities and projects that are based here is long and celebrated. Even the German Pirate Party, despite its fall from grace, was founded here. But before the talk of famous and perhaps infamous projects that came out of this place, we need a local guide, like E-Punk, to explain the intergalactic tale of how this place came to be, how it's changed over the years, and what it does today. Well, uh, the Seabase uh, is a space station um, which crashed three and a half billion years ago onto planet Earth after forming planet Earth. And uh, we're a bunch of people who uh, try to reconstruct this uh, space station. So this is an ongoing process. This room that we're in is, is part of it? Uh, the rooms that we are in are, are uh, a segment of it, yes. The sea base is, uh, uh, used to be a lot bigger and we're trying to expand. But right now we have the sea uh, base reconstruction project three, which is here in uh, Rungestraße. And, um, yeah, we're trying to, to, uh, find and reconstruct new artifacts and, uh, reconstruct the, uh, programming of the, of the, uh, space station. So is that how, you know, in reconstructing the programming of the space station, is that how you come into contact with and start to even uh, have similar people as in the world of, say, technology, uh, the connection to the hacking world? How did that all get connected? The problem is everything you do in Germany, you have to uh, found a club for that. Mm -hmm. And so there is a, is a club, the Seabase e.V., um, the problem is that nobody believes that we are actually reconstructing a station. And so uh, we kind of have a camouflage club, which is the Seabase e.V., and we do education in uh, software, hardware, and networking. So that's what we are officially doing, and that's what it appears to the public uh, what's happening here. Okay. Um, and how do you fund all of this, uh, especially the, the education, for example? Uh, we fund ourselves uh, by um, the members that we have. We have a member fee, and uh, we have a bar where we sell uh, mata and, and drinks, and uh, we get a donation once a while, and uh, sometimes we do rent out the space. And, and officially, in what year did um, the, these initial discoveries start to happen, uh, which in, in, in essence was the founding of the current Seabase uh, Reconstruction. That was uh, 19 years ago in 85 in an old cellar in Berlin-Mitte in Oranienburgerstraße. Wow. So, and then this, this location, this site where we are now, started? Uh, 12 years ago, I think, okay. with a break in between when the house was uh, renovated. Okay. And, and in that time, I mean, there have been a lot of changes in, in, in the city, in the neighborhood, I think. Um, and I wonder about the changes in culture. Uh, how does Seabase compare, in your, in your view, to hacker spaces that have appeared um, and other sort of spaces where people get together and, and code or whatever they do? Good question. Um, when the Seabase started, it was more from uh, science fiction enthusiasts and uh, artists and uh, 
graphic artists and, 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 and people like that. And um, then there was the thing with the internet, which was really bad in East Berlin. And uh, when the Seabase got internet, there were more people who came here to use the internet. And so I think that was the point where it started to get more nerdy, more, more hacker-affiliated. Uh, And by now, we do have a lot of people here who actually do um, development in, in hardware and programming and uh, playing around with Arduinos and Beagleboards and uh, Raspberry Pis. Other people do 3D graphics and, and video. And um, so there's a whole, whole bunch of different, different persons meeting here. And we're trying to make like a, um, an interchange of uh, art and technology and, uh, of course, knowledge as well. So uh, we do meet here and um, we try to teach people, but actually most people teach themselves by just doing projects and asking around for help. Like somebody has an idea and uh, he says he can do the programming, but he can't do the hardware. Or some people say, I, I have a great idea, but somebody has to help me build a table around it or a, a big box or something like that. And so uh, in the best cases, there's uh, people from different departments, I'd say, uh, who work together to, to uh, yeah, create a, a new project. What are, what are some of your, I mean, famous is perhaps not the word, the, the achievements that the, the club is most proud of? Well, some of the latest projects are, for example, the Martelite, which is a, a big screen. Uh, it consists of four by eight uh, cases of empty Marte bottles that are uh, wrapped in tinfoil and have a, a RGB LED in it. And so they basically make a four by two or six by two meter screen with a resolution of 40 by 16. It's in the main hall. You can have a look at it later. <laughs> it, used, it was on the Congress. It was on, on uh, different conferences. So, so my, many people know it. And There's this game of Ingress, uh, uh, augmented reality game that you play on a, on a cell phone. And uh, you have to actually walk around the city to, to play it. And so basically the, the playing field is uh, the plan of the city, uh, a street map. And so people here thought, well, we always meet here, uh, so we want to have that thing in real life. And so they built a table uh, with lots of uh, LEDs in it, and the table has the uh, city streets around the sea base, I think one by one kilometer or something. And um, they actually... Uh, Yeah, found people who do the programming to go into the game and see what are the portals looking like at the moment and uh, lighting the LEDs by that and somebody else built the table around it. Some, some other people um, actually uh, wrote kind of an, an, an operating system. That's, that's the, the no-flow uh, control um, on which uh, the, the, I think it's a, I don't want to say anything wrong, it's, uh, I think it's a BeagleBot or a Raspberry Pi or uh, stuff like that, yeah. I think lots of the, um, lots of the open source uh, 
code from the Freifunk, from the free uh, wireless community. Uh, it happened here because we have meetings here. We have a big, uh, big meeting once a year. That's uh, going like four days, and so uh, developers from all over Europe meet here and uh, get things done. I mean, it's not all sea-based projects, but uh, uh, we're a space station, so what we provide is uh, space. Mm-hmm. And that's space sometimes for other groups, for other people who come here and say, hey, we want to have a, a creative environment. And uh, we do have kind of a creative environment. The place looks uh, a bit like a space station. And we also have the infrastructure. Um, like starting from toilets to power to nice lights to uh, uh, internet to possibility of uh, recording and streaming and uh, uh, microphones for, for talks and presentations. And uh, yeah, our, our main hall, our main room for, in the public area uh, seats about 80 people. And so we do have uh, sometimes three meetings at the same time. The wireless people meet on one side, the lock pickers, the open street map people, um, they just, they just uh, take a table and sit around and, and do their stuff. And um, we have the Seminarum in which we sit in uh, at the moment, which holds about 16 people. Uh, it's a little more quiet and, and closed. And so we have, we had some, some bug-finding parties here for, for the Ubuntu community, um, all that kind of stuff. And I think the interesting thing about the Seabase is that uh, since there are so many different communities meeting here, uh, they meet each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't stay with their own community, but, but they get in contact with other communities. And I think that that's the interesting part. If, if uh, For example, the Ingress players meet the open street map people uh, because they have a lot of, lot of similar interests. We became a lot uh, more tech orientated a few years ago. We, we started, uh, oh, we stopped having parties. There was, there was a time when we had a, a bigger parties once a month for something to pay our rent. Uh, but that was too loud for the neighbors and so we stopped with that. And since then, more and more people came here and said, hey, that's an interesting place. I have a group uh, for some, some software language, uh, which I would like to meet once a month or once a week. And so they ask if they come here. And uh, they do. And um, with these uh, visitors, um, we had more people and that said, well, I have an interesting idea as well. So uh, they started coming. And so... We got a lot more members in the last three years, and uh, it's it's gotten a lot more, um, yeah, technical, intellectual, uh, building-wise. Mm-hmm. And and in this process, you become quite famous as a as a place, as a name. Uh, has that been uh, good or bad, or made things more difficult to function, or, or made things much easier? Uh, as many people know, we had uh, 2007, we had a, a, a debt of uh, like 10,000 uh, euros, something like that, uh, that, which we had to pay taxes back, pay for electricity, stuff like that. And that was the point where we found out that we were actually, yeah, well-known, uh, famous around the, uh, around the community, around the world. 
And we got a lot of support from, from hackers from America, from all over the place. And that was when we, we realized that, that we were actually, uh, I don't want to say a, a role model, but, but many people came here and said, hey, what you're doing is, is quite unique. And um, since then, we have lots of people from other places uh, coming by and say, show me how that works. Oh, how, how do you make a community like, like that work? And uh, so I think it was helpful that we got getting, getting uh, more uh, publicity, um, even though there are some mainstream media who come here and they want to make some interviews and want to use it as a backdrop and want to do some photos for, for the generic hacker and stuff like that. And we try to, to uh, keep those things out. Is there something going on here that is quite unique to the rest of the world when it comes to open source development? There's something, there seems to be something going on, uh, and I'm not sure why that is. Why here that so many people, even if they're not from here, they come here? Well, for one thing, um, I think all software that gets developed here is open source. And that is because of practical reasons, because it's, it's just working. The people who program, the people who code, they just like the idea of their code being used afterwards for different things, just as they use code uh, from other people. And so it's, it's uh, pragmatic and uh, I think ideologic as well. Like most people I know here, they, they say open source is the way to go. And uh, that's why uh, open source things happen here. And we do kind of select the, the, the uh, events here. So uh, if Microsoft wanted to do something here, I don't think they, they'd make it. <laughs> I mean, lots of people use uh, uh, Apple and, and, and Windows uh, software as well. Uh, that's not a problem. But uh, the things that are developed here are all open source as far as I know. And uh, we like it that, that uh, the code is used in other, in other uh, projects. We had this multi-touch console. It's like a table where you could work with eight hands and, and, and play and do things. And a year later, there was a theater group from Italy and they used the same technique, which we used to, to capture the hands which was with an infrared camera and infrared lights. And they took the, the software and the hardware ideas and brought it on stage and actually had dances on stage which were filmed with the infrared cameras. And they used the same software which we used for the multi-touch console for a, for a, a, a big uh, dance event. And, and I think that's one of the best examples how, how uh, people who wrote the software never thought about the other the other purposes that it could it could be used for but but it happened and i i think that's that's uh, best examples of why you should give your give your software an open source uh, license so that it can live on and develop if if people have an idea here they want to share it they don't want it to be a secret i think if if they want to make something which they can make money out of and, and which is really secretive and stuff, they, they probably find a better place for that. Most people here, 
they they do have a university degree or they're, they're still studying. And I mean, the, the whole universal philosophy uh, of teaching is that we're standing on the shoulders of giants and, and uh, we're doing the next little step. And I think lots of people know that and lots of people have problems when they suddenly can't get their, their textbooks anymore uh, or they, they can't read scientific articles because the newspapers are getting, or the, 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 the journals are getting too expensive. And uh, so I think the, the open source idea is, is uh, yeah, really in, in, in this place. It's anchored in this place. Let's imagine that not everyone goes for the space theme motif for their workplace. In Berlin, you also have a long list of co-working spaces, which includes the very well-known names like Beta House, The Factory, and Co-op. In these places, you can find many different kinds of people, projects, and style of working. But what unites them all is that they can be found under one roof, often sitting at one big table. To get a better understanding of what goes on at co-working spaces, I spoke with Alex and Alex, who run Co-op Co-working Space, one of the most respected names in town. And what I found is a success story that might not fit traditional ideas of success. Co-op is a space that's been open for nearly five years now. Uh, it was founded by Alex and Tilo, my employers. They were sharing their office um, and decided, when they realized that they were co-working, uh, decided to expand or move to a bigger space to have more, more desks available for more people. Um, they're involved in the tech community here, and uh, one thing that was important to them was to support the tech community by giving the space for free to the meetups and the events that take place here. This is still our policy five years later. Um, which means that we have a lot going on in our calendar uh, in the evenings. But co-working during the day means a lot of people, software and web developers mostly, although we don't have a hard rule about that, coming in to share the space with one another, to go to lunch to one another, to bounce ideas back and forth when they get stuck on something, uh, rather than working at home. It's really useful to be able to talk to someone else who has a different perspective on it or other other skill set to uh, to yeah to crack the problem that you're working on. Yeah. Mm. So uh, and and how much do you uh, ask in terms of uh, requirements for for having a space here? I mean, um, we would like our members to pay, <laughs> and other than that, we don't have any hard rules about who can work here. It's a coincidence that people that mostly tech people work here. I mean, the space is known for having a lot of tech meetups, which is how we get a lot of people coming in. Um, but certainly we don't have any sort of membership requirements along these lines. Everyone is welcome, and we've had, um, we've had translators and comic book illustrators and accountants work here as well. And welcome, everyone. Do people tend to stay for long term, and you see them month after month, year, start to be year after year? It's varied. Uh, there are certainly people who just drop by the city for a short while, are with us for a few days, and then disappear, never to be seen again. However, we have people who have been members for years. Um, 
who come and go. They they sometimes pause their memberships when they're working elsewhere and come back. But yes, it's a, it's a really it's a mixed bag. What do you think is is pulling people to this town uh, in 2014? Well, I think I think there are a lot of reasons. I mean, if I'm speaking about people who come to the space, uh, Berlin is uh, yeah, it's it's supposedly the the tech capital of Europe at the moment. Um, there are a lot of exciting startups here. People are uh, there's a lot of uh, work. I see job offers all the time. Uh, when I compare that to my friends who are not working in the tech branch, I see people really struggling to find work. But it's amazing that IT jobs are really being thrown at people. The co-working part of co-op is maybe not so special. I mean, we have desks and Wi-Fi like everyone else does. I think the biggest difference is that we provide event space for free, and that's been used by tons of people. And and so the the kinds of people who come here and the amount of people who come here every week is a lot bigger than maybe other spaces who don't do this. So we have maybe 60 people who work here, but we have hundreds of people who come here for the events, um, and that's, I think, the biggest difference. Yeah. The events, in fact, are what's most famous when people say, oh, I know co-op. Uh, it's not because they had an office here, but perhaps it's because they were at an event. Yes. Um, so we, um, like I said, we provide event space for free, um, and that means we have a meetup or some sort of event almost every night or maybe even two or three at a, in a night. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, there's so many people who come here, um, mostly tech-related stuff, um, and they they only know that we do events, but they don't even know that it's a co-working space, maybe. Mm -hmm. The co-working space has always been almost a hobby for us. Um, it actually isn't so easy to make a co-working space profitable as in making you lots of money. Um, it would have to be pretty big um, in order to do that. And so for us, it's always been about... Um, meeting new people, having a big, nice office, um, and also providing space for the community in Berlin. Um, not so much about the money, because we're not really making any, mm. to be honest. Hmm. Different kind of mentality going into it, yeah. Yeah, because I can think of other cities in the world and other situations where people think, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to provide space, but uh, I'm going to figure out a way you know, to, to make this a big, big profit. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's actually not so easy. Um, if you if you make it so big that you can make enough money from it, it's going to be a very different space because it's more anonymous and, and lots more people. Um, and so by keeping it small, um, we have a community of people that we know and, and, and everyone talks to each other. And that's, that's for us as, as tech people, there's easier ways to make money than a co-working. So it, it's actually, yeah, it doesn't make any sense for us to, to try to turn co-op into a big profit. I think it's interesting that um, maybe old assumptions about anyone working in as a developer or a programmer is that they're not social or they don't know how to be social, uh, that they're hidden in a basement or of their parents' house somewhere. Um, and here the evidence points to people who are actually quite social. Yeah, I, th I think that what you just said about developers maybe not knowing how to be social, that, that could be something. Um, I mean, here, the, the people who come here um, and, and work here, they, they do work most of the time, so there's actually not much talking going on during the day, to be honest. Um, and then, obviously, there are breaks and, and lunch and stuff. Um, lunch is almost the, the biggest daily event we, we have here. Um, 
there's always a group of almost maybe 10 people going together. So it's a sort of nudging people maybe into being more social even. Um, but I think, I mean, everyone wants to be at least somewhat social and yeah, we, we maybe provide the opportunity yeah. <laughs> for, for some, um, I mean, opposed to, as opposed to being alone at home where obviously you're not going to meet anyone. So when we started the space a few years ago, um, it was very small, but it, it grew quickly. And um, we were very quickly overwhelmed with uh, just management stuff, like sending people invoices and making sure they pay, which we didn't like doing. And so we didn't do it, which means we meant we didn't make any money from it. And so that started Cobot, which is um, a web-based software for running this place and also a lot of others by now, by the way. Um, and so that's actually our source of income now. Um, we make money by renting out software, i.e. Cobot, to mm. other co-working spaces. So in a way, uh, something came out of something else came out of this co-working space, even for you, the, the people who run it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, not just this, but um, yeah, it's kind of funny how we started co-working, not making money from it, and now it, it still it does provide our income, even though it wasn't this space directly, but something that came out of it. So it's great for us. Yeah, so co-op um, is pretty well known by now for, um, or to all sorts of developers. So if people come here for a conference or something, they're probably going to end up here on the couch at least one day. Um, and we're not really doing any official open source work or anything in the space, but um, through all the events we have here, there are so many tech meetups and, and things related to that. And all the people who do open source or all the developers come to Cope at some point and, and learn here and, and share and, and also work on things. We do also workshops and just coding sessions and all that. So it's a big influence here. And one, one of the examples is the Open Tech School, which was sort of founded here. Um, yeah, so Open Tech School um, teaches new people, uh, teaches people to code. Um, they organize um, meetups where you can just come and, and start coding. And yeah, we're not really, we didn't really create that ourselves, but by providing the space and, and sort of getting the right people together, um, it just, started on zone which yeah. is which is great for us yeah. interesting side effect you're yeah. you're very much uh, involved in the community on different levels yeah lots of side effects um to be honest like not so much as planned most of it just comes out of it at some point we just we've been here for five years almost now so we can just sit here and wait and something's going to happen because some people come here i would say berlin is is very diverse and in, in the people who come here i mean obviously there's the the whole startup and, and money-making scene where you come and you work your ass off and then you hope for some some fortune to come your way or some some exit. Um, but there's also lots of people, and I think those are even more, who want to come here to either party and, and, and see the clubs or whatever, um, but also... Yeah, maybe just to enjoy life a little bit more and not work all the time, but still work on something cool and, and still make good money maybe, um, but also have something else in life than just work. Um, a good life is maybe even a better goal or more ambitious than just money. So <laughs> however you want to see it. Um, yeah, but then it's not San Francisco. It's not the place where the millionaires are born. Um, 
but it still is a great city, and and I don't wouldn't want to live in San Francisco. I want to stay here. So <laughs> yeah, very well. Okay, well, Alex, thanks so much for uh, having me as a visitor here and uh, taking the time. Yeah, thanks for coming. As a fan of bicycles, abandoned urban swimming pools, and machines that do cool stuff, when someone first described to me Raumfart Argentur, a former tanning salon turned hacker space, I knew I was in for a treat. As I walked into this unique space, past a row of e-bikes plugged into the wall, past a bevy of blinking lights on my way in, I was invited to sit down in what was obviously a plain seat from the 1980s, looking very economy class. Here, they've traded watered-down orange juice for Club Mate, and instead of an in-flight movie, I'm shown some of the latest projects this space is housing. My host for this exploratory visit, the one and only Gizmo. People have heard, perhaps, of hacker spaces, uh, but this is a hacker space on a whole new level. Uh, I have never seen such a unique and multi-featured place uh, that's called a hacker space. Uh, how did this happen? Uh, well, it developed over years. Uh, we started the Raumfahrt Agentur in 2008. And the situation you experience here is probably this wonderful scenario of the old solarium we are in. We are inside a studio, solar studio, an old one. It's shut down, and so we use the available rooms and booths for our multi-purpose workshop, community workshop. And it's really an amazing infrastructure here. We are in wedding in old public bars. So over there, there's a big old pool, 30 meter swimming pool. And it's a fancy building. And the dedicated solarium has many nice features we might talk about later. Yeah, you have, you have to imagine it, uh, dear audience. Uh, you walk into this building, on this side of the building anyway, and being the solarium, being it has these little cabins Uh, little individual rooms, and each room has something different. Someone's work, someone's focus is either one type of machine or one type of system, one, even uh, a different area altogether of, uh, of, of focus. So it's, uh, it's very diverse in terms of interest. I mean, we're sitting here in a recording studio, uh, which is part of the space. I look over your shoulder and there are guitars and over my shoulder there are mixers. I mean, this is not uh, your your mama's uh, hacker space. Um, how does it become so specialized? Uh, you know, because the old model of hacker space was big, open, uh, go. Yeah. Um, so Raumfahrtagentur is structured with uh, dedicated uh, workspaces and workshops. Any kind of technique is here in place. So we have some machines. On one hand, there's quite a nice thing to have a machine separated in a dedicated booth, like CNC cutter or the mill, CNC mill. And um, all the textile work is in a dedicated area, the 3D printing and also the audio lab. This is a separation we use to structure the space. It's a co-work space with many people involved, but it's uh, always uh, focused on the uh, topic, on the item of the dedicated area, not on a, the office or workplace or desk from someone in person. It's um, a collective situation where you have dedicated areas to uh, keep all the equipment tidy, to uh, get a 
um, daily use basis. Um, so people talk to each other, handle how to handle the area, keep the area in shape. And um, so that's why we have the situation with the rooms here in this manner. And what the daily effect is, is uh, forming groups, small groups around a dedicated um, technique area. So like half a dozen people are into the audio lab running music stuff or recordings. And then are a few people um, with 3D printing who also have an eye on this dedicated area and um, yeah, re represented to, the, to other people and also available if other people need help uh, with a machine or mm. with a area they want to use. I even saw there was the bio lab and so apparently a number of people who are very interested in biotechnology and they're working on creating a space for it which is again something i haven't seen well i've heard about it in, in maybe in new york uh, a sort of open source or open biology space for people who aren't in school or in university how did that happen here uh, um, same thing, especially a bio lab needs a dedicated area. You cannot integrate this in your flat at home or within a hacker space with people hanging around, drinking beer, using notebooks, uh, chilling. And no, it's not the area and not the situation where you can run a bio lab. So also same thing here. We have enough room, enough space to get a old toilet. It's basically the woman's toilet from oh. before. We just use one and the other toilets uh, got cleaned out. And so we have a close-able room, lock-able room, um, which can be painted and white ceiling for, for the biolab thing, get clean walls, get everything dedicated um, to use it. And yes, there is a formation of more DIY bio people all over the world, like hackerspaces forming. So there's a big interest in... Um, in-house homegrown hacking on biotechniques, yeah. DNA analytics, some glowing algaes and stuff. <laughs> Is this a place where you, you called it a co-working space? So some people are making their, well, it, it functions, it can function. Are some people making their living uh, here and whatever it is that they do to, to earn a living? and Or is this mostly just for hobby uh, well, I think it's not 50-50. There's a separation. From the beginning, uh, it was clear that Raumfahrtagentur will also work as a commercial place where you run your business, where you run your machine for a business. We have like four or five people running dedicated commercial business mm -hmm. inside. Um, about the half, maybe more hobby, um, interest-centric. Um, so it's a little separated. Um, but yes, it's no problem to get a business running here. Um, my part, my practical part, uh, my hands-on part in this is an uh, area for e-bikes. I built electronic bicycles, e-bike conversion kits for rickshaws, normal bikes. And so, yeah, this is also kind of business case. Mm -hmm. Yes, as soon as I walked in, uh, in the entrance hall, I saw bikes charging. And I thought, aha! That bike has a wire coming out of it. I know what's going on here. Um, what about the profile? I mean, I understand the, the interests. We've talked about them a bit um, without violating anybody's privacy. Of course, it seems like it's a place that's quite diverse. I mean, the world of hackerspaces has always been kind of looking at, you know, what's going on, even just men, women division or, or where people are from. And obviously, we're in Berlin. It can be quite international. Is that the case here as well? And 
And how does it go in terms of gender? Uh, yes, it's not too diverse, but we have, we have quite a lot of people, foreign people, visitors staying here in Reading. It's always a big topic to have a hackerspace on your local vicinity and no far traveling, no daily rounds. Or so um, so the, from the area, local area. Um, was uh, one guy you met was uh, building um, dome projection works and visual mappings. So he has some projection tools here, laser scanning for area um, recognition, area scanning, so stuff like this. And um, so it's artists involved and diverse people from the IT. Sure, many IT people, geeks here. Um, it's a background who's uh, running. System administrations, network engineering, stuff like this. And um, need to get hands on <laughs> in the evening to get away from the computer thing. Right, 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 yeah. And there's a of always, I guess, a large element of art here. I, I see the the whether or not people call themselves artists, I see a lot of artistic work going on. Creative work, artistic work, and in the end, some projects, some ideas like testing, 3D printing, have new ideas, new techniques on 3D printing, probably will result in art. And uh, yes, it's a very colorful situation with people here want to get creative things running, test it, try it, get inspiration. So the rest of the public bars, the former bars, is used as an exhibition hall, basically. So we have art fairs over there, the neighbors, basically, is a house landlord mm -hmm. is uh, running art fairs there exhibitions concerts mm -hmm. and so um we have a lot of contact to them mm -hmm. get some support some materials some tools yeah, yeah. so um it's quite a cool neighborhood and in terms of how it works with uh, members uh, this is a, a club uh there's a, a membership i'm kind of wondering how you you fund yourselves especially to do so many wonderful things Uh, yes, it's a regular membership fee. It's monthly base. Um, it's around 80 euros right now. Um, you get key access and um, all the other things like infrastructure, insurance, power, all the things have to be paid. And we run it uh, with a public, uh, with a regular company. So it's not a club or a verein thing. Um, so it's regular business running so infrastructure, renting the space, yeah. handles insurance things and all that. And I suppose with the type of climate uh, you have in Berlin now, I'm thinking of uh, people coming for in search or either of a project or with a project that they'd like to realize here and, and see come to fruition. Um, finding new members and, and, and having people being part of this is not a problem oh it's uh, it's slowly growing uh, not too much we have limited space uh, right. also right now we are quite booked uh, it's around 25 people some vicinity around and um yet one goes maybe another emerges it's mm -hmm. shifting a little but not too much not too much member entries or grow more growth because of this limitation of the room it's yeah. about the space and I see a good amount of tinkering. You yourself are doing some uh, with uh, bicycles. Well, the obsession with bicycles here is, is perhaps slightly different to other hacker spaces. Uh, how does this happen? Is this your your doing? Yes, and it's a big part of the funding. It uh, basically started with my little um, bike shop 
this bicycle conversion thing was need needed a dedicated space. It was not possible to run this from your flat. Mm -hmm. So um, this is basically the beginning of Raumfahrtagentur in 2007-8 historic situation for yeah get the bike shop running or the bike workshop running. And um, then things emerged to the first Raumfahrtagentur at Prenzlauer Berg. Uh, we were before from 2008 to 11. Uh, much smaller area, like 10 people starting to run this first instance. And so, yeah, developed over five, six years now. Depends on what project, what thing it is. I have also concept for open hardware thing with the bicycles running and um, with software development, sure, there's an in-depth thing with um, Freifunk. So we have antennas on the roof. It was a featured finance situation from free community project Freifunk e.V. Um, running a wireless distributed network in Berlin, over Berlin. Um, so yeah, open source, wide fields, big range, but yeah, sure. Um, most of the things happening here are realized with an open source solution, like running the CNC mill or 3D printing, especially. Sure. Um, we also have commercial dedicated solution browsers, a stitching machine is a regular browser system. It's, it's a lockdown windows version. So you have it inside, but you can use it for creative things. In the development part, most of the stuff is shared. Not really released. We do not have much open source projects like regular Linux distributed packaging or something. So, um, but shared yeah. is a good point. We run uh, Raumfahrtagentur uh, website and our internal management with a truck. It's a little software platform for software developers. You can run tickets, milestone, and some block news system mm -hmm. so everyone has an account there get email get information stuff and a repository is also included so you can get the config files for machines internal handling infrastructure details some documentation about all the things in the space mm -hmm. um so this is a platform where we share to knowledge and and so when you when you look to the future here even the short term uh, the future is bright Yeah, sure. The future is bright. It's uh, not a Raumfahrtagentur when we do not want to go to space. And so future is bright, I think. We'll probably get some shit done here and get some rockets blast off. <laughs> All right, Gizmo, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to visit the place. And now it's going to become a regular stop of mine when I'm in Berlin. <laughs> yeah, welcome. All the time. So what have we learned today? There are different ways to go about managing and nurturing the idea of working together in an interesting atmosphere. Whether you're surrounded by blinking lights and cutting-edge machines, or you're surrounded by eager and creative minds with nothing more than a laptop, the collaborative working scene in Berlin is alive, kicking, and growing in ways one might not expect. The reality that more people than ever in the world are becoming freelancers and otherwise working on their own has not automatically led to everyone rushing to co-working spaces. But in Berlin, it has. And the results speak for themselves. The good ideas, fruitful collaborations, and the spirit of not always working and instead relaxing or having a good time, these things continue to matter for many who have found their way to spaces like these. And everything points to this trend continuing, because in the end, it just makes sense. As Jack once said in the now painful to rewatch series Lost, live together, die alone. 
Or wait, maybe that's not quite the idea, but you get my point. Collaboration equals good for you. Some final vital information. Source Code Berlin is a Wikimedia Deutschland podcast. Find us at sourcecode.berlin or follow us on Facebook, Source Code Berlin, or on Twitter at SRC Code Berlin. Music today included the song Eclosion by Salmo. This podcast is published under a CCBYSA 4.0 license and edited by me. Until next time, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. Thanks for listening. We are. We are.